0: Welcome back, everybody, to The Luke Beasley Show. I hope you're doing wonderful on this Wednesday. We have a humongous show to get into, so let's jump into our first story. We got some unfortunate news out of the August inflation report, revealing that while there was a slight decrease in that inflation figure, it was not at all the drop that people were hoping for and expecting, and it did cause a big freak out on Wall Street. Stock market did not take kindly to it. Um, so we'll look at the specifics here. Uh, in just a second and then we'll watch this clip of joe biden getting cut off by cnn they were broadcasting his kind of celebratory speech about the inflation reduction act but then they have to cut off that to talk about the bad inflation numbers just kind of an awkward moment Um, but first i want to make sure everyone's clear on this because there seems to be some confusion 8.3 percent was the figure we got out of the august report that means that for the year ending in august the entire year there's 8.3% inflation, which is really high. It's not though, which some people seem to think 8.3% in that one month inflation. Uh, so for example, the year ending in the previous uh, July was 8.5% inflation. So we're seeing it drop ever so slightly, again, not at all where we had hoped and expected and really what people need to start getting a handle on this. So, uh, reading from the New York Times, inflation remained uncomfortably rapid in August despite a decline in gas costs as prices continued to soar across a broad array of other goods and services. Evidence that the sustainable slowdown the Federal Reserve and White House have been hoping for remains elusive. Prices rose 8.3% from a year earlier compared with 8.5% in July. Uh, and then looking at how this effect uh, affected the economy immediately, yesterday's surprise of an inflation report, which showed consumer prices rose last month rather than fell, as many had predicted, continues to buff the markets. Stocks in Asia and Europe sank this morning as fears grow that to cool off inflation, central banks led by the Fed will need to quash consumer demand through more aggressive interest rate increases. Uh, ec- economists at Nomura and Larry Summers, the former Treasury Secretary, are among those arguing that the Fed should raise its benchmark rate by a full percentage point next week. The S&P 500, uh, 500 tumbled more than 4% yesterday, the biggest one-day drop since June 2020 on interest rate jitters. So because the solution seems to be uh, raising interest rates, the Fed doing so, there's that negative reaction uh, from the markets because that is not something that they want to hear. Uh, but then again, showing that moment that I alluded to of Biden getting cut off by CNN with this news. ...thought was even remotely
1: possible when I entered office. So I thank the Republicans who stood up.
2: Okay, you're listening there to President Biden at the White House. He's celebrating the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. He says that he's been fighting big pharma for decades. Um, But there is this unfortunate split screen right now with the Dow taking a total beating down more than 1,200 points. And so it feels like uh, it's hard to be celebratory for some people in the crowd.
1: Yeah, this is the day on which the White House celebrates the Inflation Reduction Act when we get a new report that shows that inflation is still especially high. And what we're seeing on wall street is a reaction to that anticipating what's coming from the fed the decision that will come on whether to increase well likely they will increase but by how much the uh, interest rates another half point or three quarters of a point
0: we'll have to see in just a few days and we saw in that article one of the recommendations was an entire uh point which would be quite significant so it is an awkward moment to cut off a celebration From the president again he was doing this event talking about the successes of the inflation reduction act cutting that off to talk about the negative inflation numbers that we got the worse than expected numbers now that doesn't take away from the significance of the inflation reduction act i think at this point we all understand that piece of legislation is so much more than addressing inflation That's kind of one of the smallest parts of it, funny enough. So you could make a criticism that why would you call it that if it's not actually primarily addressing inflation or most analysis shows maybe over the long term, it'll have an effect on inflation. But as far as here and now, not so much. I think politically it was a smart move, but I do understand that criticism. But all the things in it are really incredible that they're getting done. But just as far as the aesthetic goes, sort of weird to have to get cut off from your inflation reduction act celebration to talk about the bad inflation numbers so there we go this definitely is going to have a negative effect on biden's approval rating likely um, but more so people this just represents what people are feeling so this is more putting a digit to what people are already feeling and reacting to so who knows if this news will actually uh, have a huge political effect because people are already responding politically to what they're feeling uh, economically day to day. And so we'll see how the Biden administration tries to handle this, how Democrats try to do so, because it is really close now to the midterms. So each one of these little economic pieces of news matters a lot. Um, but that that's it. Inflation not dropping at the rates we had hoped, quite unfortunately. Jin Saki appeared for the first time since she was hired on in, on MSNBC on one of their shows. And I want to show it to you to discuss two things. The first is what she's talking about, which is absolutely true, which is the fact that abortion rights and the overturning of Roe v. Wade, that Dobbs' decision is going to have a huge effect on the midterms. Um, but then the second piece is, and again, the midterms in the Democrats' favor, the second piece is just the fact that she's in this position. So she was the press secretary for Joe Biden. And then we heard while she was still press secretary that Once she left that job, she was going to go to MSNBC to be a contributor. And again, this is her kind of debut appearance on MSNBC after being hired. And I want to discuss once we watch this clip, just kind of how weird it is that this is a common thing within our political environment. But first, I'll show you the moment.
2: And in many ways, these midterms may end up being a referendum on Republican power, more so than Democratic power. Do you see it that way? Absolutely. And that is remarkable if you think about it. I mean, if you look back on the NBC poll from back in January, Democrats were not that into the midterms, you know? They just weren't that into it. They were not thinking they were gonna participate as many. It's gone up twenty percent by 20 percentage points almost, the excitement and enthusiasm for participating. That is largely related to Dobbs, largely related to women across the country, young women across the country, and even men being scared of a woman's right to choose being taken away from them
0: totally agree with that. Um, We've talked about that quite extensively uh, on this show, just the fact that we've seen truly massive motivation from women voters and uh, Democratic voters voters generally, who seem to be somewhat complacent in the build-up to the midterms before, excuse me, sorry, uh, before this decision came out. But then once Roe v. Wade was overturned, ever since then, there's just been this massive Uh, increase in motivation from again women and democratic voters generally so true point you know apt analysis even though it's not that complicated to see that but then to the second part it is sort of weird and uncomfortable to me and i think most people agree to this that we have a situation where so often someone goes and they work for Let's say the administration, but this happens across government positions, but for the presidential, um, you know, administration that's currently in power in some way, shape or form. And then immediately we'll go to a media job or a lobbying job or a consulting job. Um, and there might be restrictions on lobbying specifically, but definitely straight to media we see so often. And it feels like that is putting this preemptive conflict of interest while the person is working the position. So in the case of Jinsaki, Saki, okay, she's the press secretary. She's speaking to the press room and she's thinking, ooh, I might want to work for MSNBC, but they're asking me questions, or I might wanna work for CNN, but they're asking me questions. How How, how is that gonna change the way that she deals with them, right? Uh, and same thing, this isn't a right or left thing. Everyone does this. Kaylee uh, Kayleigh McEnany, McEnany, after being Trump's press secretary, went to Fox news and there was a hilarious moment where she was covering the news about Trump and all the FBI, uh, raid rage stuff after she was the spokesperson for Trump just makes no sense. Why anyone would trust her opinion? I don't know. Uh, but almost the same thing here. Why should Jen Psaki be speaking about the Biden administration, giving analysis about the Biden administration when she like two seconds ago was the person in charge of making them look as good as possible. And as far as press secretaries go, while all of them have to spin and all of them have to kind of, you know, white lie or whatever, she was a thousand times better than Kaylee McEnany as far as honesty goes and relatively uh, good. I had no big problems with her. But this I really don't like. I really wish there was not this revolving door where it's just a given that after you are in a prominent position within the government, especially working for a president, you're going to go and uh, work for one of the institutions that directly interacts with that uh, presidential administration daily. And so you know that's gonna happen. So you're gonna act differently while you're in that position of power to make friends instead of be a proper uh, public servant or have certain connections, give certain uh, preferential treatment to certain individuals so that you set up a bougie situation for yourself once you're done with that position. And we see that all of the time with lobbying, consulting jobs, where if you're a congressperson, a senator, you know that if you treat certain special interests nicely, then once you're done with that position of power, give it a few years, you can have a really, really high-paying, way too high-paying lobbying job because now you have all these connections and you treated them well and you've worked for their interests. And it just is very, very uh, messed up, I think. And how you would fix that not sure kind of a complicated thing to regulate what people are doing after they leave a a position but i think there are things you can do similar to how i'm pretty sure there's a restriction on you have to wait a certain amount of time after you get out of office before you can be a lobby uh before you can work as someone who lobbies people and so um Something needs to happen like that because I really don't like the appearance of a foreign press secretary now giving analysis about that very uh, thing. In this case, she wasn't. But in other cases, she will be asked to speak about that. Similar to how Kaylee McEnany now, someone who lied to crazy extents for the Trump administration, is analyzing on television the Trump administration. And part of it, as consumers of media, we should just be able to de- demand more, demand be- better. But the average viewer of these shows doesn't really care. Um, so where the solution is derived from i'm not sure but either way i don't like it donald trump called into this event that was being done by the family of ashley babbitt so if you forgot or something ashley babbitt was the trump supporter who stormed the capitol and got shot by capitol police and she's become a huge martyr now i want to say up front it's heartbreaking that someone uh got shot by capitol police that she died all of those things that's devastating. But of course, when you're a part of a mob that's trying to violently break in and violently uh, get to politicians, that is going to be a likely outcome. doesn't take away from the heartbreaking nature that her family lost um, someone and her friends lost someone. But it is to say that this demonization of the police officer who who did that uh, is not appropriate. And the idea that she was just innocently murdered in cold blood makes no sense because again she was a part of a violent mob that was trying to break into our capital and that is not something you can do and sometimes uh, there is going to be a violent response by law enforcement to an action like that but anyways Ashley Babbitt okay so she uh, her family is having an event advocating for the other people who have been um, prosecuted who are being held right now based on their actions on January 6th, and Trump calls into it. And I want to watch this with you guys, listen to what he has to say, and then talk about just how backwards and disturbing and distorted this all is. Thank you for calling in. You're on. Go.
3: Okay. Well, Mickey, it's an honor to be with you and to everybody listening. It's a terrible thing that has happened to a lot of people that are being treated very, very unfairly. Uh, We love Ashley, and it was so so horrible what happened to her uh, that that man shot Ashley as a disgrace. And then he goes on television, and it looked like he was actually bragging about it. There's never been a thing like this has happened in our country. And I just want to tell everybody that's listening, we're with you. We're working with a lot of different people on this and we can't let this happen. This has never happened before. You look at all of the riots that took place for the last long period of time, not just in 2020, the last long period of time, and almost nothing has happened to those people. And what they're doing here is a disgrace. It's a disgrace to our country, and it just cannot be allowed to happen, and it cannot be allowed to continue. So I just want to say to everybody, everybody's working on it. And I very much appreciate, Mickey, you're asking me to just speak to everybody. But we cannot allow this to happen to our country. So God bless everybody. We are working very hard.
0: <sighs> Do you see what's so distorted and disgusting about that? The family of a person who is propagandized. Now, she's responsible for her own actions, Ashley Babbitt, that is. So she did make a decision to go uh, and do this and violently storm the Capitol and try to get to lawmakers and all those things. But we do also recognize she got propagandized, as many of these people did, um, all of them, into believing some wacky stuff. Well, who is at the very tip-top of that propaganda machine? Donald Trump. And so, Donald Trump is calling the family of a of a person that he convinced to do something that got her killed. Again, she's responsible for her own actions, all individuals are, but you can recognize what led them to do something. And Donald Trump, besides her, is most responsible, I would say, for the death of her. He stoked up that mob to go to the Capitol. He convinced her that the election was stolen he put out that false information that convinced her she had to go do this because she thought she was being a patriot for it, right? And so the family is looking to the guy who is responsible for their daughter's death. It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. It just watching that disturbs me because people are so mentally mixed up and have so many wires crossed in there and have been so propagandized and social media has just broken their brain that they literally think their hero is the guy who put out so much false information about the election who convinced all of these people that it was stolen and the only way you can get back america is to come to the capitol and that's what led to their daughter dying and he's your hero it makes no sense. And then they're advocating on behalf of, they're there calling these people political prisoners, the people who are being uh, prosecuted for their actions on January 6th. No, your family more than anyone should understand the danger of this false information, the danger of what Trump is putting out there. Because it got your daughter killed. She believed in his lies and that's what brought her there on that day. She should have been wise enough. She should have, you know, had enough critical thinking power not to be uh, convinced of these lies, of course. But if you are going to say, where did she get this information? It started with Trump. And because of that, she died. They're supporting him in this. Makes no sense. And uh, perpetuating a movement, a set of beliefs, and a person who Definitely is going to lead or definitely are going to lead to more people getting hurt, uh, like Ashley Babbitt because of these false beliefs that they hold. It's so heartbreaking and so tragic and quite enraging. Mike Lindell is one of the wackiest people I know or I don't know him, but that I'm aware of. Uh, he, if you're not a, a familiar, was the owner of this pillow company, my, my pillow. I think it's called my pillow and, uh, for some reason got really obsessed with Donald Trump. And then after the 2020 election became one of the front guys saying it was stolen and we gotta go grab all the machines and rip stuff out of them. Okay, I'm being dramatic, but he did have have a big problem with the machines and the machines need to be looked at and he's suing the machines and he was one of the people spreading the lies about Dominion and all of that type of stuff. Okay, well, Likely because of those actions, him going around the country ty- trying to overturn a free and fair election, trying to keep someone in power who lost an election. And then even once Trump was out of power, continually trying to uh, get him back in power somehow, not through an election, but just through magic. I don't know. Somehow he keeps telling people that Trump's going to be installed as president. In two weeks <laughs> there's so many promises he's made but he got his phone seized by the fbi and instead of describing it myself i'll just let him describe this moment
1: and we go through a hardy's drive through we pull around the back and we're just about going through we pull through the drive through they take the order we pull up and she says pull ahead you know because they had to make the order it wasn't done we pull ahead and a car comes perpendicular and parks like a little ways in front of us and I and I've been around the block and I said to my buddy, I said um,
0: that he's been around the block, ladies and gentlemen. I will say if you're wondering, just to clear up because I know someone out there is curious. Yes, he's always shouting. Yes, that is a characteristic of him.
1: It's either a bad guy or it's it's FBI. I, I said that straight up. I said it's either FBI or it's a bad guy. And not to say that some FBI guys can't be bad guys, right? Um, luckily, it wasn't a bad FBI guy, right? The uh, Then another car, at the same time, pulls up and pins us in here to our right side. Now, remember, I got the wall to the left, and I'm just past the order thing, where I can only get out about three feet. And then another guy comes flying up for his order, but he wasn't getting an order, Brandon. He was pinning in the back of the car, right? And these aren't the what you think of like you know, secret service cards or something, they were all different models and, oh, they're all undercover, you know? And anyway, so I don't know. I open my door and I say, um, who are you? And he, and, uh, you know, and he says, uh, we're FBI. I said, show me your badges. So they show one badge. I said, how about yours? You know, because I, you know, I don't trust anybody. Like,
0: Yeah, one guy has a badge and says we're all FBI, but that other dude just some random poser. <laughs> show me every single badge. No, there's <laughs> bad
1: people. Well, they do that, and I said, what do you want? And, I, and uh, he says, we need to talk to you. So I pull over, and, uh, pull over, and he starts asking questions. I said, I want to see some more ID. So they show me some more badges, right? I'm looking at them. I don't, you know, how are you gonna know a fake badge from a real one? You know, whatever.
0: But any- so, uh, I would like to see the passport of your daughter's best friend. Could you please get that to me, and then I'll comply.
1: Anyway, I said, uh, I said, are you gonna? Um, we start talking, and they're asking me questions about Colorado.
0: Colorado. And
1: uh, I said, you know, you guys. I said, are you gonna arrest me? I said, I've been asking for you guys. This will make international. This will make national news. And they go, no, no, we're not gonna arrest you. I'm going. Well, then what do you want? they go, we're going to ask you some questions.
0: Okay, well, (laughs) they end up getting his phone, um, which is what they were there for. And it was reported that he kept insisting, you just arrest me, just arrest me. And it shows they want to be this victim with an image of them getting dragged away in handcuffs. And this is the Biden regime trying to take out his political opponents, right? Uh, We saw Steve Bannon say that over and over and over. But Mike Lindell, they wanted his phone. So that's what they got. And we'll see what they find from it. Obviously, it's going to take a lot of time for this all to be fleshed out. But we're seeing public-facing stuff increasing a lot. Or or I should say, outward-facing. What we're able to witness is now picking up. We saw all the subpoenas go out phones be seized from other Trump allies and now Mike Lindell himself, which again, as I've I've spoken about many, many times, you're not in a functioning democracy if an entire group of people can work to try to overturn a free and fair and constitutional and lawful election and then not be held accountable in any way, shape or form. So seeing Mike Lindell for years now scream about this Go try to pressure individuals to overturn the results, all that type of stuff, and nothing happened has been a little bit weird. So now, okay, something's happening. And whether this is a way to get to Trump or just an investigation into Mike Lindell's actions uh, by himself or both, doesn't matter. Uh, we'll see where it goes. But I just really want to see these individuals who attempted to uh, break down the democratic process we have by trying to keep Trump in power and then somehow retroactively put him in power uh be held accountable that's what needs to happen to allow our democracy to move forward and um let this just be a scar and not an everlasting wound but it is going to be a wound for a long time because as we talked about on yesterday's show based on polling over 50 percent or 50 percent of gop individuals who are likely to be in congress are going to be election deniers so we're going to be dealing with this movement that was sparked based on trump's 2020 election lies for a very long time and mike lindell is just one of those people um, but he was a very loud and active members of that member of that uh, movement and he did do a lot of direct actions that could actually be criminal so we'll see where it all, all goes but um mike lindell being grabbed <laughs> not really having his phone grabbed by the fbi while he's going through the arby's drive-through marjorie taylor green had a little moment where she's talking about kind of the lies that she feels like the Democratic Party is telling and they're campaigning. And in this short little clip, she misrepresents so many things so quickly, as you'll see.
2: And we will see this continue leading into November because they believe the way to drive people to the polls is by scaring them. They're lying to women all over America saying that they can't have an abortion anymore, which that's a lie. There's plenty of places.
0: Instead of trying to get this all at the end, I'll stop it," she said. "That they're the lying. Uh, the Democratic Party is lying to their voters, saying that you aren't able to get an abortion. Nobody's saying that. We're saying they're trying to take away your ability. And maybe in your state, you're not able to. No one's making a claim that nationwide there's no way that you could possibly. But we're saying it should be a right in every state." And you shouldn't have to figure out how to get off work financially, find a way to go to another state to get an abortion. And some of these states you live in are trying to pass laws to say you can't go to other states. So how that works, I don't know. Uh, and the fact that you're being criminalized in your own state for trying to uh, make decisions about yourself and if you want to continue producing with your bodily functions another being, uh, that's what's being articulated. No one's saying that there's no way for you to get an abortion in any place at any time right or, or there's no way for you to get an abortion in some way in the country obviously there is but it shouldn't be this massive process we have to sneak your way out of your state and go to another
2: Women can- easily get an abortion they're lying to to gay Americans saying that Republicans are trying to take away gay marriage when that's not something I haven't even seen a bill that says anything like that
0: okay and nobody's saying you're trying to pass a bill to overturn uh, the nationwide legalization of gay marriage what we're saying is that the Supreme Court just like what they did with Roe v Wade, and Clarence Thomas wrote this explicitly that they should take a look at, reevaluate uh, other cases, such as the one that legalized gay marriage nas- nationwide. And so, pretending, <laughs> like, because the way that you phrased it isn't exactly the reality, which no one's saying, hey, they're about to pass a law that's going to ban gay marriage, because they couldn't right now, the way that it would have to happen is the Supreme Court would have to overturn um, that past precedent like they did with Roe v. Wade, which could very well happen because they did it with Roe v. Wade. <laughs> it's the same people, right? And Clarence Thomas said they should reevaluate. And so it's not a lie at all to say, number one, your abortion rights have been and will continue to be taken away um, or, or are, wor- are being worked on getting taken away and there's a risk that gay marriage could be overturned, as well as many other things, right? Um, And then the second part of this that I wanted to address, she says, you can get an abortion if you want to get an abortion. It's real easy. Let's take a look at this first moment so that I can kind of with fresh ears talk about this weird contradiction that Republicans have in the way they talk about abortion.
2: And we will see this continue leading into November because they believe the way to drive people to the polls is by scaring them. They're lying to women all over America saying that they can't have an abortion anymore, which that's a lie. There's plenty of places that women can easily get an abortion.
0: Okay, so zeroing in on that contradiction. It makes no sense to me when Republicans say, listen, (laughs) it's not a big deal. If you want to get an abortion, you can go to another state. It's plenty easy to get an abortion. Why are you freaking out? Wait, 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 wait. If you believe abortion is murder, why would you talk about it like that? That doesn't make any sense. Let me talk about murder, okay? Let's say that someone in a weird, you know, dystopian country, certain types of murder, murder were legal. Like, if you're under the age of 10, you can get murdered, okay? (laughs) It's just a thing now. I wouldn't go, listen, if you want to murder a 10-year-old, you can go to California. That's fine. Whatever. No, I would be like, we got to... Make sure that it's illegal in California, too, because people are murdering under 10-year-olds, right? And it just shows they don't believe that because their attitude is like, listen, I just want a virtue signal and get this done in my state or talk about getting it done or whatever. But in reality, we all know that if you need an abortion, you can go to another state to get one. But uh, so it's not this big, horrible thing anymore. What, What are you talking about, Marjorie? And we hear this all the time, that talking point. If you need one, you will be able to get one in a different state. But again, I would never allow, I would, till my dying breath, fight to make sure that murder was illegal in every state. And I wouldn't be encouraging people to easily go to other states to get, uh, to get to, how would I say this, to murder (laughs) Uh, if I believe it to be, right? Um, But they hold that contradictory belief, never understood it, and uh, I probably never will. We're seeing this situation where we talked about yesterday on the show, Lindsey Graham proposed a piece of legislation that would ban abortion nationwide after 15 weeks. We talked about how it doesn't really have a chance because not even enough Republicans, even if they got in power in the midterms, would support this. Of course, Biden would veto it. Um, they definitely want to have a two-thirds to override his veto. So there's not a chance that it would get passed. But it is a massive, uh, you know, outward facing message that the republican party stands for this but we're seeing there's a struggle within the republican party because some of them are sticking to their previously stated belief which is hey we just think it should be a state's rights issue which as i discussed in the marjorie taylor green uh, segment why you would leave something up to the state that you genuinely believe is murder i don't know i would never do that if i actually thought something was murder and it wasn't illegal everywhere but okay setting that aside we're seeing because they feel like they have to stick to that, some of the people within the Republican Party, and they know this is so politically damaging to them, they're a little bit upset and are publicly contradicting Lindsey Graham about this. Uh, which is probably smart, because again, we are seeing abortion being a huge issue in the midterms, motivating Democratic voters. So whenever you have a piece of legislation being introduced by a Republican senator, Lindsey Graham... You're gonna get even more motivation from the Democratic Party, and I think some Republicans recognize that and don't understand exactly why he's doing this. So here's first Rand Paul, then we'll look at Mitch McConnell, um, being asked about this and giving kind of the opposite stance as Lindsey Graham. Funny enough, what Lindsey Graham used to say was his uh, was his position.
2: So is the timing of this bill right?
3: You know, I'm 100% pro-life and always support the pro-life position that being said i think it's more likely than not and probably the better part of valor to see how the states sort this out you know we've been fighting for 40 years to overturn roe versus wade now that it's been overturned the issue is going back to the states and you'll have different decisions made in different states i think the uh, the best thing would be to sort this out at the state level and see what happens
0: okay so he's thinking leave it up to the states again makes no sense to me if you actually thought it was murder why would you be okay leaving it up to the states i don't know uh but here's mitch mcconnell with a similar sentiment being asked about it uh,
2: lindsey graham
3: has his 15 week abortion ban if you take-
0: sorry it's super quiet but a reporter they should mic them up a reporter is asking about lindsey graham's 15 week abortion ban and asking mitch mcconnell will you put this on the floor for a vote
1: Well, with regard to his bill you'll have to ask him about it in terms of scheduling i think most of the members of my conference prefer that this be dealt with at the state level
0: okay so he thinks most of the members of his con- conference but is who he represents and i think this is true think it should be a state's right rights issue okay well funny enough the contradiction to lindsey graham by those two senators is the same contradiction that Lindsey Graham had with himself, as you'll see put together by the recount here. And we already went over this, but we'll show it again. The issue of marriage and states should decide the issue of abortion.
2: I think we should have a law at the federal level that would say after 15 weeks, no abortion on demand.
0: I- okay, so uh, leave it up to the states on August 7th, and don't leave it up to the states on September 13th. It's always good to call out hypocrisy. doesn't do much most of the time because it seems like nobody really cares. (laughs) Um, But more importantly, there's a little bit of a uh, struggle going on within the Republican Party. And it seems like regardless of if they maybe agree with him privately on this, which they likely do, don't think that publicly this should be their stance because it's not the most popular. It's quite unpopular these days to believe, especially that the federal government should pass a law to ban abortion. Um, It's just not something that people are on board with these days, and we're seeing this in the shift in midterm polling. So hopefully this causes more uh, strife within the Republican Party. Hopefully this gives more and more attention to this issue and allows people to understand the importance that they got to vote for this issue as well as many others in this upcoming midterms. Carrie Lake, running for governor in Arizona, complete unhinged individual, we've talked about her. She's one of those people who followed in Trump's footsteps in the lead-up to her election saying, we're seeing some signs of voter fraud, so it may be stolen from us, but then she wins and goes, haha, we just got so many votes that they couldn't steal steal it from us. Yippee. Uh, Well, and she was running in a Republican primary, so she's saying that another Republican is doing voter fraud to steal her election from her. Okay. Whatever. Well, she got the nomination and she's now running as a Republican against a Democrat for the position of governor in Arizona. And she had a little bit of a moment where she compared her movement to Jesus. Carrie Lake and the MAGO movement are being attacked. You know who else got attacked, ladies and gentlemen? Jesus Christ. You can call us whatever you want, Joe. You can call us extremists. of course she's responding to Biden uh, rightly identifying the MAGA movement as extreme and a radical and a threat to our democratic process. You can call us domestic terrorists. You know who else was called a lot of names his whole life? Jesus. And he never stopped. He never stopped. They called them names right up until his death. So why should we care what Joe Biden thinks of us? I have... Do you think that
1: our founding fathers really cared what King George said about them? I don't think so.
0: Okay, before we reflect, can I just say this one moment? I think she thought this was drop-the-mic moment that the crowd was going to erupt for and nothing happened. Ready? His whole
1: life, Jesus.
0: You see that? (laughs) Jesus. Let me hear it. But, like, nobody (laughs) cheers at that point. Um, And I think it's because Christians as someone who, you know, grew up Christian, tons of Christians around me too, like you are pretty much told and you understand that it's not the best move to compare yourself to Jesus. <laughs> now, of course, she wasn't saying that they are Jesus or or she's Jesus. She was just saying that he was attacked and so are we, so we can persevere and we don't have to care about what people say because neither did, G- did Jesus. But I think there's just a general discomfort among Christians to hear yourself being set next to him in any context, right? The perfect man, you wouldn't want to set yourself next to that. But uh, to her point, nobody's saying that you need to bow down or change your views because you're being name called. No, I think name calling should be ignored if it's not coming from a place of substance. Of course. The reason why people wish your movement would stop doing what it's doing and would reflect on itself and would uh, come to know the truth is because the substance of what you believe. We're not calling you extremists because we don't like you just purely politically. We're calling you extremists because you have extreme views on wanting to break down our democratic process shown in your election where you're willy nilly pretending like it's going to be stolen unless you win. And well, they were trying to steal it, but I was so popular that it wasn't able to be stolen. And okay, so we're trying to correctly and accurately critique your movement for what it is, not just take you down with name calling. And so pretending like it's this boom mic drop moment to say, listen, we don't got to listen to the name-calling because other people in the in history were name-called or Jesus Christ was name-called means nothing because you are not being name-called for the sake of being name-called. I would rather you get up there and try to refute why you think you're not a threat to democracy. And that's what I hear nobody do. No one explains. All they say is, ah, the lighting and Biden's speech was red or ah, they're so rude to the MAGA movement. No one ever goes, okay, let's take it point by point. Biden said this, Biden said this, Biden said this. Here's why uh we're not, you know, a dangerous movement, here's why we're not a threat to democracy, here's why, etc. No one does that because I think at in their heart of hearts they understand the substance of what Biden was saying was absolutely accurate. And so you can't break down the substance of what he was saying. So instead, you care about the lighting. You call it satanic because it was red. <laughs> or you say, haha. He can't call us names or we shouldn't care about the name calling because Jesus and you uh, get, you know, some of the you skirt by that point without actually having to address the meaningful part of what Biden was trying to identify. And Kerry Lake, more than most people in the MAGA movement, is representative of that dangerous belief that it doesn't matter upholding our democratic process. That doesn't matter. What matters is power and power alone. And that is what Biden was calling out. That is what we as the left have been screaming out about for a very long time. And I hope more and more people see that every single day. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. A reminder to our podcast listeners, if you can, uh, scroll past, especially on Apple Podcasts, scroll past the episodes, you'll see a rating option. Click uh, five stars. If you don't want to give five stars, just skip the rating. <laughs> Uh, If you do have a critique, you could put that in the reviews. Or if you want to say something that you like about the show or whatever, also writing a review is super helpful just to kind of let the algorithm know that people are listening and enjoying the show in that podcast format. With that being said, I will see you all tomorrow.